with this evening of this evening Mass of the Lord's Supper, we begin the sacred Paschal Triduum, the briefest and most important season of the whole church year. Triduum is a Latin word meaning a span of three days. These three days begin this evening and stretch until the evening of Easter Sunday. Thus, this sacred Paschal Triduum embraces our Lord's Last Supper, His Passion, His Death, His Burial and Descent to the Realm of the Dead, and His Glorious Resurrection and Manifestation to His Disciples. In other words, these three days mark the very heart of the Paschal Mystery. When we use that word Paschal, it means related to the Passover, it was, in fact, the Jewish feast of Passover that Jesus chose to give context to his saving death and resurrection. Throughout his public ministry, Jesus spoke of his whole life as leading up to his hour, the hour when he would save us on the cross. It is significant that he chose the Passover as the time for that hour. In fact, in God's eternal plan, God gave the Jewish people the feast of Passover in the first place with a view toward the eventual coming of Christ and his saving death. God set up the Passover so that the people of God could understand and take part in what Jesus did to save us. We may recall that the Passover was an annual feast day commemorating when Moses led the people of Israel out of slavery in Egypt, the Exodus, and brought them to freedom, eventually their promised land. The Passover memorializes the victory of the true God over the false gods of paganism and the fact that the worship of God leads to true freedom. The contest between the God of Israel and the pagan gods of Egypt was a dramatic and violent one. In the end, a destroying angel went through Egypt, striking down the firstborn of the land. What saved the Israelites was their obedience to the commands of God, as given through Moses. They had to mark their doors with the blood of a sacrificial lamb, which they ate together with unleavened bread. God chose to save his people through the observance of a ritual, a liturgical ceremony, the lamb whose blood was shed, the unleavened bread, and the feast day to be observed every year. And the Jews kept that feast of Passover every year by journeying to the city of Jerusalem, where the priests would slaughter the lambs in the temple. Any pilgrim entering the city on that day would see an immense amount of blood and water flowing from the side of the temple as the lambs were slain. Jesus, too, entered the city for the Feast of Passover as we commemorated on Palm Sunday. This evening, we reflect on the mystery of the new Passover when Jesus, celebrating his last festal meal with his apostles, the meal he greatly desired to share with them by his own divine authority gives to the church a new commandment. The Lord connects the celebration of the Passover meal with his own death. 
when the apostles are at table with Christ, the emphasis is not on a roasted lamb, but on Christ's own body and blood, which he's about to give up for the salvation of the world. Therefore, as Moses once sprinkled the people of Israel with the blood of the covenant, Jesus gives his church his own blood of the covenant, the blood of God's only begotten Son. He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. In other words, it is the blood of Christ that marks us, just as the blood of the Lamb once marked the houses of the Israelites in the Exodus. Jesus inaugurates for the people of God a new exodus. He frees us from slavery to sin and leads us to the promised land of heaven. And as the people of Israel once consumed the Passover lamb, the Holy Church consumes the very flesh of Christ. As the priests of the temple once sacrificed the Passover lamb each year in memory of the first Passover, Jesus ordains his apostles as priests of his church and commands them to celebrate the Eucharistic sacrifice in memory of him. By his own authority, Christ the Lord institutes a new ministerial priesthood for the new covenant. For this reason, only a validly ordained bishop or priest who has received the sacred powers passed down in an unbroken chain from the apostles themselves, from one man to another by the laying on of hands for 2,000 years, can consecrate the Eucharist and offer the Eucharistic sacrifice of the Mass. The entire dignity and value of the ministerial priesthood derives from the Eucharist, without which the Church cannot exist. The priest who celebrates Mass does so in the person of Christ, not as a delegate of the community, but by the sacred powers he alone has received. These powers have been entrusted to him precisely to nourish the lay faithful in their own vocation. The vocation of the lay faithful is especially to bring the presence of Christ into the world, into every aspect of human life, to take Christ out into the streets and their families and their work and their daily lives, just as the Israelites were nourished in their exodus in the desert by manna, the bread that came down from heaven each day, we are nourished by the Holy Eucharist, our daily bread, the true bread from heaven, as we journey through the wilderness of this life to our true homeland. The old Passover was an image of foreshadowing. The reality is here in the celebration of the Mass. It is God's tremendous love for the world that led the Son to undertake all these things for our salvation. God's humility overturns our pride and heals us. God himself came not to be served, but to serve, to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus demonstrates this at the Last Supper by washing the feet of his apostles. Peter protests, but Jesus insists. This is why he has come. Who else could make us clean? Unless I wash you, you will have no inheritance with me. The Lord continues to wash each of us in holy baptism, which makes us clean all over. 
and in penance when we again and again track in the dirt of sin. The cleansing of baptism and penance also prepares us for the Eucharistic feast, for consuming the spotless flesh of our divine Lamb. And once we have done so, our lives must be changed. Those who have left Egypt behind should not go back, except to lead others out. I have given you a model to follow, so that as I have done for you, you should also do. The divine love that became flesh, the divine love that today gives us the Eucharist and the priesthood, has commanded us to express that same sacrificial love for others. It is not an easy commandment to keep, but it is essential. Christ died for the guilty. He gave his life to forgive the unforgivable, to love the unlovable. His love is a love that suffers all things. This is what we are called to do, not just to be nice to those who are nice to us, but to love our enemies, to pray for those who persecute us, to seek the true good of others even if we are hated for it. When Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples for the last time, and transform that ritual into the Christian Eucharist. By Jewish standards, he left the meal unfinished. After offering to the apostles the chalice of his blood, the cup of blessing, and singing the psalms that recounted the Exodus, Christ does not yet drink the final cup, the cup of consummation that would have ended the ceremony. Instead, he goes out into the garden to pray, it will not be until the next day, until he hangs on the cross and drinks the chalice of suffering and the spoiled wine, that he will declare that all is finished. In this way, the Last Supper and the Lord's death on the cross form a single continuous event. So too, the liturgy of Holy Thursday has no formal conclusion. In a sense, it does not end. It remains open, one event together with Good Friday. Instead of being dismissed this evening, we remain in adoration of our Eucharistic Lord, watching with him, enjoying his presence as we begin this Paschal Triduum, the celebration of the very mysteries of our redemption. As we prepare to celebrate his passion and death tomorrow on Good Friday, looking forward to the glory of his resurrection.